Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Wow, it's good to be here. I feel like an animal that's been caged for a while. I can move left. I can move right. It's awesome. You know, people have asked me what it was like to sit here and talk to a camera. I felt like Tom Hanks on Castaway. It was just me and Wilson, right? Just talking over and over. No interaction. You can't crack jokes. The camera doesn't laugh back, right? No audience participation. So this morning, I'm going to enjoy myself. Okay, this is going to be pastor unfiltered today. All right, are you prepared for that? My wife is shaking in her boots right now. So this was kind of like what it was like when I was up here uh, with the camera. I could just take off my shoes, take off my socks. You know, it was great. I could lift up my pants a little bit. (laughs) It was really good. All right, so I'm going to go a little off script today. Uh, This is fun. I've already done the pre-recorded somber, serious version, so you guys get the crazy version this morning. All right, here we go. So we are launching into a new series today called The Best Life Possible. Uh, in case you hadn't noticed, this world is a little whack, okay? It's a little messed up. Uh, it's screwed up. It's sinful. It's fallen. It's broken. Uh, anybody want to argue with me about that one today? I don't think so. Exhibit A, look at you guys out there with masks on, right? This is not ideal, folks. This is not heaven. In fact, for Christians, this is the closest to hell we'll ever get, is life on this earth. Seriously. So what am I doing talking about the best life? Well, the key word there is the the best life possible, right? You see, we can make the best of whatever situation we're in. We're not governed by our circumstances. And in fact, Jesus had a pretty radical statement in John 10, 10. I want you to listen to this. Jesus promised this. He said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, have it abundantly. Think about that abundant life. That New Living Translation, the version says rich life, satisfying life. So what we're talking about in this series is how to live the best life possible, all right? The best case scenario. Now, I entitled this message, Stopping to Refuel. And I think we all know about refueling, don't we, right? Gas prices over the last couple of years, anybody noticed how crazy they've been? anywhere from like under a dollar to four bucks a gallon. And when my youngest son started driving, I think he was paying about three fifty a gallon for gas. And like most dads, I would kind of reminisce about the good old days, right? When I was a teenager and I would fuel up, it was like 69 cents, 79 cents a gallon. And I'm driving a 1976 Toyota Corolla, okay? So I could go for weeks on a tank of gas, I was just incredible, you know, and, and I was actually talking with Mike O'Banion, our senior adult congregational care pastor about this. He said when he was 17, the price of coal was a nickel. So, you know, <laughs> love you, Mike, wherever you're at. <laughs> We've all got our own refueling stories, right? And, and I think to, to take the edge off of it, you notice how fancy they've made gas stations these days, 
right? They've got, you know, everything. You've got your mini marts inside. You've got your ATM machines, your flat screen TVs. Sometimes they even got a little water park. It's actually a car wash, but when my kids were younger, they didn't know the difference. So I'd toss them some quarters. They'd run through there. It was great. <laughs> and, and does anybody remember the old game topping off? Remember that where you tried to hit the exact dollar amount, right? You're sitting there. Ch -ch -ch -ch. I used to love that, right? 1496, 1499, 1501, and you got to go up to the next dollar amount, right? You try doing that with gas prices spiking, like one squirt's 47 cents. But regardless, right, it doesn't matter how much the gas costs, you got to refuel. Right? If you want to get anywhere, you got to stop and refuel. Let me say that again. If you want to move forward in life, you got to stop to refuel. Well, guess what? The exact same thing is true in the spiritual life. If you want to move forward in the spiritual life, if you want to have a close, vibrant relationship with Jesus, you want to do the spiritual life right, you got to stop to be filled up with him, filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about this. It was actually his prayer for the church at Ephesus. And it's my prayer for you guys as well. Take a look at Ephesians 3.19. Paul prays that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You know, that word filled there in the Greek, plerothete, it's a continuous verb. It's not be filled, done. It's be filled, be filled, be filled. Why? Because we have a continuous need for filling. It doesn't stop. And what I know to be true in my own life is that when my spiritual gauge moves toward empty, I feel it. Things change. I react differently. And other people, they're watching my spiritual gauge as well. And they can kind of tell when my spiritual gauge hits empty because it affects other people. I made a little uh, self-incriminating list this week. A little evaluation of what happens when I'm spiritually empty. First of all, I realize when I'm spiritually empty, I'm selfish. I'm more selfish, especially with my time in life. You know, when I'm spiritually empty, I'm impatient. You know, if I'm driving, you know, everybody else is an idiot and I'm the poster child for AAA insurance, right? When I'm spiritually empty, my judgment is distorted. I get a little more cynical. Anybody relate to these or am I the only sinner here in this room? <laughs> okay. When I'm unempty, I lack compassion for other people who are hurting. You know, unless someone's on fire, I'm not getting out of my lazy boy, right? <laughs> when I'm on spiritual empty, uh, I'm more enticed by temptations. I'm vulnerable. And, and that's enough, okay? <laughs> Let's talk about you. That's much more fun. <clears throat> Do you know what happens to you when you're spiritually empty? Or maybe you become so accustomed to just driving on fumes, you don't know the difference between being spiritually full and spiritually empty. Well, let me give you the secret to being spiritually full. It's having a daily time where you stop and refuel so that you can be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so we're going to talk about that this morning, take you on a journey through a few passages of Scripture that speak to this so you can live your spiritual life topped off at all times. But before we get to the how, I want to talk about why, like why do you need to refuel daily? I think we need to ask that question. The simple answer is this. I need to refuel because I have a soul that is hungry and it needs to be filled. You have a soul that's hungry and needs to be filled. Now, we live in a culture that's busy, stressed, tired, 
And I think most people I talk to would admit, yeah, the lifestyle I have, it is not working for me. And I think I know why. I think it's because most people are driving around through life and their souls are on empty. Here's a verse for you, Matthew 4, 4. It speaks to our need for soul food. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I want you to think about that particular verse this week, because I don't believe you can truly live unless you feed your soul. Now, it's likely, I think a lot of people, they don't give much thought to their soul. Not really. That may be a generalization. You may get a little defensive and say, hey, I think about soul all the time. I love that music, right? But honestly, we think about our bodies. We think about our minds some. We don't think a lot about our souls, do we? I mean, track with me. When when your body is empty, you know how to fill it up, right? You eat. If your mind's empty, you read, study, talk to somebody. What do you do when your soul is empty? Do we give much thought to that? You know, the Bible says this about our physical body. Our physical bodies, people, are just a container. That's it. 2 Corinthians 5.1. We know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, that's your body, the earthly tent, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. See, our body is like a tent. It's like a container. We're, we're kind of like Tupperware, all right? It's actually not a bad illustration, all right? You and I, we're like Tupperware, we come in different shapes and sizes, just like Tupperware. Right? I thought you would think about this. We, we like to go to parties. We, we feel better when we're burped, right? Just like Tupperware. And people, they, they do a lot to try to modify their Tupperware, make their Tupperware better, right? Some people pay to have their wear taken off, so they're just Tupper. But it doesn't matter. You, you can have a limb removed, an organ transplanted. It doesn't change your soul, does it? That's just your exterior. That's all it is. See, you are still you. Your soul is what defines you. you. Say, well, what is a soul? That's kind of... Okay, your soul, it's your invisible, eternal part of you. It's the real you. It's the part that makes a connection with God. Your soul is what makes you different from every other human being on this planet. And Jesus, boy, he emphasized this because he wanted you to know that life is more important. People are more important than just their stuff and their activities. Look at Matthew 16, 26. Jesus said, what good will it be for you to gain the whole world yet forfeit your soul? Or what can you give in exchange for your soul? Jesus said, far and away, your most valuable possession is your soul. But what we do is we we go through life and we fill our homes, we fill our bodies, our calendars, our bank accounts, but are we filling our soul? You know, that's the part that connects with God. We are not physical beings having a temporary spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a temporary physical experience. So I have a soul, and it needs to be fed. That's the why. That's the easy part. Now how? Let's talk about how do I fill up my soul. It gets a little bit tougher here when we talk about this. And I'm going to make a statement about you. It's a bit of a generalization. I don't have any empirical data to back this up. It's just based on conversations with hundreds of Christians over the years. But I would guess that about 80% of you don't have a regular daily time where you stop and refuel. Now, I think a lot of you want to, but maybe you don't know how, or you've tried it before, and and, and you feel some guilt over this. Like, am I the only Christian that's not living the vibrant life? I can't remember the last time I had a deep connection with God. 
And, and then that guilt just weighs you down and it stops you from moving forward. Well, let me tell you where the guilt comes from. First of all, the guilt comes from comparison. Now you're comparing, you're looking around going, boy, I wish I could pray like she does. Man, I wish I understood the word of God like, like he does. I wish I had these rich, quiet times that I hear other people talk about. And there's comparison there. Boy, when I was a young Christian, I remember this quote from Martin Luther. He, he said, you know what? Today I have so much to do that I got to get up at 4 a.m. and spend three hours praying to God. I mean, for the longest time, I felt so much guilt over that. I felt like a loser spiritually. I mean, I didn't even know there was a 4 a.m., okay? <laughs> and I think those kind of statements, they defeat us before we even get started. People, can I just say this? You're not Martin Luther. Stop comparing. Stop feeling guilty. You're not Billy Graham. You're you. You got to learn how to connect with God as you. And if you're in that 80% category and it's not working for you, you got to switch things up. Okay, you've got to try something different. I'm going to give you something different in a second here. But you can't keep doing the same old thing. You know the definition of insanity, right? It's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. You got to switch it up. And I know immediately some of you are thinking the excuses are coming in. Boy, Brian, you don't know me. I've tried it before. I can't do that. Okay, that's not coming from God. That's a lie from the enemy. He wants to stop you before you even get started. So let me give you a system today that's not guilt-inducing. Very simple. You can start today. Three action steps to stopping and refueling daily. You ready? The first one is this. You got to stop. Stop. Let me define stop. It's the opposite of go. <laughs> the opposite of do. Action, movement. And honestly, I don't care long you stop for, but you have to stop. Sounds easy. <laughs> it's not. But it's the only way you're going to get your soul nurtured. You can't refuel on the run, right? Wouldn't it be great if we could just drive our cars and we wave at the gas station and suddenly, boom, the gas is in our car, right? It doesn't work that way. We got to pull over. We got to stop. For you type A's, you got to put the to-do list aside, stop the activity, and it's going to be a challenge for some of you. It was a great challenge for me. I'm a pretty wired person. I like to go, go, go. I like to do, do, do. Any given day, I'm taking, returning dozens of phone calls, hundreds of emails. When I'm talking with people, oftentimes, if you know me, I'm processing something else in the back of my mind, kind of this multitasker, right? And I, I've gotten good at it, right? I'm working on my sermon while I'm shaving or walking on the treadmill. And I'm on a phone call with somebody, but, you know, I'm one-handed. I'm working on a Word document over here. I'm having a deep, engaging conversation with my wife while I'm, okay, see, doesn't always work, does it? <laughs> She'll call me out. It's like, hey, 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 look here, look here. Because she knows I can be physically present, but whew, my mind's out here. So I've had to learn how to hit the brakes, chill out. It's not easy to do this. At some point in your day, you've got to stop your busy body. You've got to stop that hurried spirit. You've got to go, Ook. Now, for all you doers, you're going, okay, 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 I stopped, I stopped. What do I do? What do I do? All right, step two, stop, and then you've got to be quiet. Be quiet. See, silence, quietness, that is like air and water for your soul. I mean, that is what nourishes you. You talk about not easy. We've become a culture where silence is, I mean, what is that? In fact, silence can be deafening. In fact, we've become so accustomed to noise, some of us really, really, really feel uncomfortable when everything gets silent. I mean, think about it. We, we wake up to alarm noise. 
right? And then oftentimes we're getting ready. We put on more noise, the radio, the TV. We drive to work. What do we do? Put on more noise. You know, we get, we get to work and there's noise there. And we come home and there's noise. There's human noise and electronic noises and Tupperware burping noises, right? And, and then you decide, I'm going to go out and walk. I'm going to get away from this. And what do you do? You put on some more noise, right? And then you come home and now you can't sleep and you turn on nature noises to help you fall asleep. We've gone psycho, people. I mean, we become so accustomed to noise that we're uncomfortable when it gets silent. There's actually some researchers, they've researched certain noises. They have found noises to make you shop more, eat more, spend more. Amazing. But I want you to think about the, the noises that are really refreshing. Noises you enjoy, like, I don't know, birds chirping maybe? Water dripping from a fountain, waves crashing? Guess who invented those noises? And, and I think that's God's point in being quiet. Maybe he wants us to hear his noises. And yet we've made a whole industry out of grabbing nature noises and putting on MP3s and stuff. So let me give you a suggestion. This is going to be kind of radical for some of you, but this is the number one thing I think we've got to do, all right? If there's one way to get away from noise, you've got to say no to your phone for a little bit. I know, <gasps> collective gasp. <laughs> but that phone, man, we've become so, so attached to our phones. I watch it all the time. I watch it in public. I watch it in my family. I watch it with myself. You've got to be able to turn that off. Walking around with a little satellite dish attached to your cranium at all times. It's not good. Okay? At some point in time, you've got to say, enough is enough. You know, it's interesting because in the Old Testament, you may know this, that slaves would wear earrings that identified their master. That's how you could tell who a slave was owned by, by that earring. And I kind of think the phones with the little earbuds and those little attachments have become the modern day slave's earring. Like you're a slave to that phone. It owns you. I mean, when it goes off, you're like, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And God, he wants to communicate with you, but he's not going to compete with that. He's not going to compete with that. And, and you need to hear his voice. You've got to stop and be quiet. You know, having your quiet time, that's not just about, I say some stuff to God and I read the Bible and we're done. Now, God wants to speak to you personally. You've got to think about You've got to chew on and meditate on the word. Let him give promptings in your heart. You say, well, I don't know if I've ever experienced that. Yeah, probably because you've never slowed down enough to be still. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a prophet, Elijah. And I won't go into the whole story, but he won this major spiritual battle. He challenged the false prophets. God showed up. Huge victory. Life was great. And then someone threatened his life, and he ran away. He got really scared. He ran to a cave, said, God, where are you? I know you were there in that moment, but I, I, I don't know where you're at. I can't hear you. And I want you to listen to 1 Kings 19. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earth came, came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, here it is, came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And we'll pause the story there. The key is the gentle whisper. 
Some versions call it a still, small voice. I believe, people, that's the way God speaks to you. A gentle whisper, a still, small voice. But I wonder, how many times have I missed that? Because there was noise all around me. How many times do you miss that? How often do we hear what God wants to say to us? And I know some of you, you may have a connection with God that includes noise. Okay, I get that. You say, I'm a Christian walker. I put on Christian music, and that's my time with God. That's fantastic. That's worshipful. That's superb. Keep it up. But I'm telling you, you still got to have a time where you stop and be quiet. I want you to listen to this quote I ran across a while back. Before we can listen and truly hear the word of God addressed to our hearts, the practice of silence is essential. Silence is not a rejection of the neighbor, but rather a recollected attentiveness to what lies at the heart of reality once all the noisy clutter of daily life is cleared away. Only one who has learned how to be silent and get beyond the noise from inside and outside himself will be able to hear the cry of others as well as the call of God. Well, that's good. And I believe it's true. We've got to stop and be quiet, to be refueled, to hear God's voice in our lives. Now, please don't hear me wrong here. I'm not talking about going to an extreme, like throwing your iPhone away, unplugging electricity, becoming an Amish monk, right? I'm just saying, do some things a little bit differently, all right? And get away especially from the phone. Okay, so stop, be quiet, and then here's the third thing, make a connection. Make a connection. Now, if there's any generation that understands about connecting, it would be our generation, right? We're connected all the time. Some of you may be connected right now to your phone, you know, your email. And what I'm asking is that you pause the outer connection with the world so you can make an inner connection with God, because that's what's going to nurture your soul. And when we talk about this kind of connection, there are three questions we got to ask. When, where, and what? When, where, and what? Let's talk about these. First of all, when. When are you going to make this connection? Now, how many of you have heard that if you're really spiritual, you're going to do it early in the morning? Just raise your hands up high. I bet you guys heard that? Okay. Yeah, I felt guilt about that for the longest time. I'm not a morning person, right? I get up in the morning because I have to, not because I want to. But, you know, people say, well, Jesus got up very early in the morning, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Yeah, Mark 135, I get that. But what they don't read is what he was doing the night before. He was up to like midnight or later healing people. And most holy people that get up and have their quiet times early, they're comatose at 9 p.m., okay? <laughs> so try staying up late and in the morning. Jesus prayed late at night too. What I'm saying is there's no spiritual, holy, perfect time to pray. You've got to figure it out for yourself. Now, for me, I typically do it in the morning. Not because I'm a morning person, but because my days get going so fast that it's hard for me to slow down once it gets started. But you've got to find the right time for you. You know, is it before work, after work? You know, is it during a lunch break, after the kids go off to school late at night, when you get up at 5 in the morning, or if you're a college student, noon, whenever you get up, right? Just do it. But, but set that time. Let me encourage you this. Get in a habit, okay? That's really important. Get in the habit of setting a regular time to do this. And then you got to find out where. And again, for me, it's just got to be away from my computer, phone, things that will distract me. Sometimes I'm in my bedroom, just getting away in a quiet corner. But figure out where works for you, where you're not going to be distracted. When, where, and then there's the what. 
Okay, what tools do you use? How do we connect with God? You know, we have a lot of tools to connect with other people. We got Zoom that we're using a lot now, or we got Facebook, or, you know, there's phones, there's computers, all these different tools. Well, there are different tools that enable you to connect to God. And so each week, by the way, to get your outlines each week now, your bulletins, you go to hillcountry.life. You can download those there. And I actually gave you 15 ideas. And I'm going to read them this morning because we've got some extra time here. I'm going to read through these ideas I gave you for making a connection with God. And just take some of these. Maybe you do all of them at some point in time. But these are some ideas, some tools for making a connection with God. First of all, you might choose a passage of Scripture and repeat it until you memorize it. That's a really cool practice. Obviously, don't choose a chapter or something unless you're really good. But just pick a little passage of Scripture that really speaks to you and just keep saying it over and over. And then you'll be surprised how God brings that to your mind. It's part of God speaking to you later in the day. Read a psalm a day and then pray the psalm back to God. That's powerful. Take David's words as your own or whatever. Read through the Gospel of John. I encourage everybody, especially if you're a new believer, that's the best gospel to read through. Read a chapter of Proverbs a day for 31 days. There's 31 Proverbs. Works out really convenient. When you read the Gospels, imagine yourself as one of the people in the story and record how you would feel and respond. Now, that's a really cool way to enter into the world of Scripture. Try that. Journal. Okay, this is one that's really made an impact for me. Go get a spiral notebook. Write your prayers in a journal. You might begin your journal page sometimes with yesterday I and then list everything you did, places you went, people you talked to, things you did, and then go back and say, God, were you trying to get my attention in any of these things? And you might remember, oh yeah, I had this, and and, man, next time I need to do this, or God may speak to you about those things. It's a powerful practice. As you read your Bible, write down favorite verses on index cards. Keep those cards in a place where you'll see them often. I used to have index cards taped by my bed, and I would just look at them each morning when I'd wake up. Use Psalm 23 or Psalm 139 as a prayer. Powerful psalms there. Pray for a friend's salvation for a minute every day for 30 days. See what God does. Use a world map and pray for the people of a different country for one minute every day. Write out a letter of confession to God. For some of you, it may be longer than others. I get that. It's all right. How about this one? Make a list of A to Z things that you are thankful for. Now see if you can get all the way through the alphabet there. Do you have that many things? I think you'll be surprised how many things we can be thankful for. Rewrite passages from the Bible in your own words. Study the Bible with a commentary or a Bible dictionary. Read and reflect with a daily devotional guide or a good Christian book. So those are just some great ideas to get you started. There are many more. Obviously, the core is prayer and studying God's Word. Those are like the two biggies. And it's okay to use a devotional guide, to use a commentary to help you out. In fact, when you go online to hillcountry.life and you pull down the bulletin, you'll see 10 resources I put there that are great to help you out. But keep variety in this. Don't get so locked in that you just got this formula every single day because I think that leads to burnout. It does for me. And there are some days where I just need to be quiet and just rest before God. Just be still. Other days, I'll read through a whole chapter of the Bible. Other days, I'm going to need to pray. And maybe that's all I do is just pray, pray, pray. Other times, you've got to pick up a Bible commentary and say, what in the world did this passage mean? But mix it up. Now, if you notice, I haven't said anything about duration of time. How long do you do this for? That's the big question. Should I do five minutes a day, three hours like Martin Luther? Right. If you're just getting started, start with just a few minutes, like maybe five minutes a day. 
And as your soul gets nurtured, you'll want to do it more and more. But start simple. Don't overwhelm yourself at first. All right, let me review here. I'm asking you to stop at some point during your day. Put the brakes on. Have some silence. Be quiet. And make a connection with God. Can you imagine what would happen if your life, in your life if every single day you stopped to refuel? Can you imagine how different you might be? How your pace and priorities might be different? How you view other people might be different? How you view yourself might be different? If you were living spiritually topped off, you know, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, can you see that? I can see it for you. I can see it for our church. In fact, I'd like as a church to be the kind of church where instead of 80% of people not stopping daily to refuel, 80% or more stop every single day and refuel. I think that's the best use of our time each and every day. And it's the first step toward the best life possible. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this morning. My heart is encouraged uh, just by my brothers and sisters here and the opportunity to share your word. And I just pray that we would strive in the midst of all the craziness, and, and we've got to admit, this world is just nuts right now. In the midst of circumstances that look uh, so bleak at times, that we would make the best of the life you've given us. Nothing is taking you by surprise. Lord, you are on your throne. <laughs> you're not surprised by any of this. And your calling still remains true. And we know that as you said, Jesus, apart from you, we can do nothing. That you're the vine and we're the branches. If we don't stay connected to you, if we don't refuel, we're going to be running on spiritual fumes and we are not going to be effective. So God, as we talk about living the best life possible, I pray that we would put these things into action and each and every day we would take some time to pull over, to stop, be quiet, refuel, and make that connection with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.